Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hi, this is Jackie Cation, and I am back in the same hotel room that I was in when the Acme 20 was happening. But this time, I brought my friend with me and, uh, he's a great comic and, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about dinosaurs and science and movies and video games and whatever comes to mind. Anyway, you know the credits and the websites, jackiecation.com, dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com. Patrick Brady will fix the audio. That'll be exciting. Um, Let's see, Vilmos works on the website. Mike Rickberg sang that song you just heard. He'll sing again at the end. There is a donation button. Everyone uh, should donate at this point. Uh, it, it'll be great. And then I will buy things like food and shelter and cashews. So um, sitting across from me here in the morning after a really awesome week at Acme, Dan Telfer, welcome to the program. Yay, hi. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's been a good week, hasn't it? Oh my god, it is it has been very very lovely and our uh, our MC Mr. Nate Absher also a bit on the dorky side, so it's been a nice little uh, spectrum. Fan yeah, you're uh you're cracking me up with the Vonnegut references and the Beowulf <laughs> references and the but Those are the riffs. Those, those are just are, the riffs. Those are just the riffs, people. Go to <sighs> dantelfer.com and then go look at some videos and you can see See the magic. The magic is happening. You have a like a I always describe it as a fifteen minute dinosaur bit. But it isn't. <laughs> it can go fifteen minutes. <laughs> but you talk dinosaurs like a three year old who has just discovered dinosaurs. And that's pretty much uh, how deep my um, intellectual abilities go on dinosaurs. It's mostly just me getting angry. It's just enthusiasm. It's a it's a dorkdom is what it is to some yes. extent. Well, and I think the video that got the most hits was uh, six minutes, but like I, I've done like on the Benson Interruption podcast, I did like a 20 minute version. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it is so, so funny because you could because he was interrupting and uh, and then you ask for interruptions because you ask for types of dinosaurs. I don't know anything about dinosaurs. I know that uh, the land of the lost was something and I know <laughs> that was a TV show back in the day. And but I like I like the idea. Of the weird dinosaurs that come up. Like, who gets to name dinosaurs? Why are they 13? Are, are they just trying to describe what the bones look like when they, when they found them? Yes. And there's paleontologists who, like, it's up to them how they want to name it. There's, there's, I think, uh, a sort of committee process where you get it approved, <laughs> but like, yeah, like sometimes they'll discover a dinosaur and they'll be like, well, I have to name this after the city of Alberta. You know, that's, of course, I discovered it. <laughs> or, or no, 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 or like ch- the school children discovered it. So like, oh, okay. I have to name it this one thing. After Mrs. Hinkle. Yeah. <laughs> who was in charge of those school children. What about the Ankylosaurus? That has the word ankle in it and it always makes me laugh. Well, and it, I might be mispronouncing it. The pronunciation's not terribly important to me. I think, I think the proper is like ankle. Ankylosaurus or Ankylosaurus. Guess what? They're not going to hunt you down. Uh, guess what? Uh, yeah. Internet nerds hunt me down. Internet nerds hunt you down and, and do whack just tools of misery uh, and passive aggression. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it, that that dinosaur. You know, it's not even. It wasn't even like um, one of the first ones that would come to my head. Right. Like as far as my favorites were, right. it was just like if I'm going to yell at people. Yeah. And and yell at them about how all their dinosaurs are wrong. Why not just take the one? He's got to be like the most passive aggressive dinosaur, like because he'll just 
he's he just he's he just takes ju- a beating and then like clubs you <laughs> right right and then never it just it's like it's like a character in like the princess bride or some sort of movie where it's a giant guy who gets beat up and it doesn't matter yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and then he comes back to whack a mole you on the head yeah and he's a vegetarian which i think also is why i said passive aggressive i think like there's something <laughs> about that people are automatically annoyed by and so it's sort of fun to throw that in people's face that is funny as a, as a vegetarian yourself do you find that people uh, take it as a personal affront that you don't eat meat yes very much so oh, really um <laughs> and it, and the way i find out what the hell do they care well Nobody comes straight out and says you're an idiot for being a vegetarian. What they do is they wait for you to mention you're a vegetarian and then they say, <laughs> Why do you have to say it? Why did why what makes you introduce it? What's the problem? Why did that word come up? Why did well, you Because you just shoved a chicken leg in my face. How about that? Yeah, it's funny. We're at a point, I feel like, in popular culture where Everyone has seen the horrible PETA videos. <laughs> right. I'll never show anyone the horrible PETA no. videos. That's not my agenda, but I think you say you're vegetarian and they get an instant clockwork orange montage in their head and it's your fault <laughs> and they want to destroy you for it. And right. Cause they don't want to hear it. There are things that, there are things that I think we all see that are weird. Cause, um, like I don't, I don't, I don't need to, like the way that, that like law and order, I've been watching more law and order lately. I don't want to see law and order. Uh, and I, I want to be the one person that never watched Law and Order, except for Law and Order is fine. Have you seen Law and Order UK? No. It's great. It's the same shitty formula. Uh, I can, yes. I swear, am I allowed? Oh to yeah, fucking it. Go for it. Good, good, good. Um, but uh, the actors are better. Oh, okay, and, just because of the accent, though. <laughs> yeah, but that's the, what it is. And it's the same stuff from like that uh, John Mulaney bit where like everybody's always like unloading crates and not really caring that their employee <laughs> didn't show up for work and it's because they're all murdered and stuff. Oh, because <laughs> they're all murdered and stuff. But like the acting, yeah, like for some reason, like the character actors aren't like these, you know. They're not our character actors, so they they do have that that allure. A little bit of that, a little bit less of that, like American desperation that people I, have in New York. I want to see more masterpiece theater, like more Sunday Night Mysteries on PBS. Fucking Downton Abbey. Yeah, well, yeah, I hear it's good, but only from comics on Twitter. Yeah, you know, and and, and it was Patton who kind of like like put it on my radar a little bit on Twitter, and then, right. And then, um, yeah, I think I heard about it from him as well because he live tweets it, and I don't even get it. It's that it's, that's not that's not a murder thing, is it? <laughs> well, no, it like it, it, it's it, an upstairs downstairs thing, isn't it? Right, it's the same guy, um, and uh, a lot of people say it's very similar. I wouldn't know, but my wife is British, and so my wife oh, had already been saying she was going to watch it, and then I saw like, oh, comedians are watching it, like comedians <laughs> who uh, I want to be cool. Look at the cool kids are watching. Well, it. no, Let's but like, do this. Look at this no? smart, funny people. And so oh, I there was you like, oh, and, I'm and, sorry. And Pat was doing it with just enough like <laughs> sincerity. Like I could tell right. there was some cynicism, of course, but like I was like, oh, he's at least being amused by something. Mm-hmm. I'm usually not drawn to the slower paced UK right. te- television. And so, did you my, hear about fades? I've seen fades. Have you seen fades? It's pretty good. It looks awesome. It's uh, is that and the that's w- that's actually like a great example of like. The slower pace being an asset because you don't know. Tell what people the fuck what it's about because I, I I've only seen the ads and really liked it. I've only seen it. the first episode, but basically like there's fucked up fast zombies or something. Yeah, they're fast zombies, and I barely understand who any of the characters are. Right, but it's like, early, but like there's these long sequences of people like running around an abandoned subway terminal oh. and like and like hiding and like. 
Warriors. And the way they infect people and like, it's just like, what? what they is, don't, they, do they bite? You know, uh, yes, they okay. do. Um, but like one guy gets in, gets his eye like deadened because, uh, it licks his open eyeball. Ooh. And like, it's just like. And you know what? I bet you it looked real. Because uh, makeup people are doing vital work yeah. now. Well, there's like this crazy CGI for it. It, it, it reminds me kind of those, uh, like those. Um, do you know what that Russian weird ass movie was, where there was like the end of the world and like there's the darkness and I mean, like it, it reminded me of sort of like Eastern European stuff. Where oh, like, okay, it was a little or like I um, went never ending story. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> that isn't right at all. Is that based on a Russian book? I have no idea. Yeah, that seemed pretty American to me. <laughs> when, when I thought of the darkness, because you oh, know, oh sure, sure, because the the noid, which is actually the thing that holds up pizza. Uh, I'm a little punchy this morning. There we go. But uh, the 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 <laughs> void. I think it was. What was the thing? The that nothing. They were, the nothing. That's what I think of that as the darkness. Yeah, uh, which is I think one of the best archetypal villains in movies. Even though that movie was ultra cheese ball, like everyone loves the idea of this rolling black sandstorm that's right. sort of like the end of the world coming for them. I, I was okay with the first one because I was like, and I was an adult when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Not, not a not a fully sentient adult. I was probably 18. But it was the second one and the third one that were so bad, really, of Never Ending Story. You would have had to have been nine or 10 years old to love those. Yeah. I don't know if I saw it when it first came out. I think by the time I saw it, it was on like VHS. Yeah, yeah. like, And by then, I was like kind of like a ultra bitter 12 year old or something so <laughs> i don't have time for you and your hope yeah uh, well, like and i think i enjoyed it because i was i was into the fantasy type stuff but i think i was i was definitely like what dragon's not gonna save me from the beatings <laughs> you know like so it's oh right right because the kid was getting beat up in the in the in the alley and then um his giant fuzzy dog yeah made him fly away <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh his giant fuzzy dog like and, uh, and that was just so cheesy like like it just and and also at that point I had already had uh, Gremlins nightmares, so it just looked like a, a big goofy gizmo ripoff. Right, right. It's uh, yeah. I never, you know, they they show you these kids movies when you're a kid, and they don't realize what really sticks with you. Did you did you see Gremlins and have nightmares on it? Yeah. Um. And I think because it wasn't to- supposed to scare you, right? It was supposed to be a fun kids movie. Well, wasn't it the reason the PG thirteen rating? Probably. I mean, and you you might have been younger than that, but there's violence. People get like ripped up dead in Gremlins. The kid that I used to babysit for, I came home one time, and he was no, I was uh, I the next time I came to visit, that's what it was. His dad, who worked from home and spent very little time with the children, it doesn't mean that he didn't love them, but whatever. Uh, I come the next night and. The mom says, hey, uh, Cole might uh, have a hard time going to bed tonight because him and Bob watched uh, The Matrix last night. And I was like, he's eight. Whoa. He's in a vat of goo. What is happening? We're all in a giant vat of goo. Yeah. And she goes, yeah, I don't I don't know what to say about any of that except for keep an eye on Cole. We're going to go. Oh, and no. <laughs> like, so did he, did he have a hard time sleeping? He, um, he didn't. His room was this amazing... Like it was the kind of room that you couldn't send him to his room because that's where his stuff was. Right. Like he had full cable. He was seven years old oh, and he was watching man. Sex in the City. What? Yeah. I went, I went in one time and he's watching Sex in the City and he's seven or eight years old. I was like, nope. That's a worldly kid. That, that, he's an old soul, young Cole Schuster. <laughs> and, uh, 
He's now 18, I think, and going to uh, some music school outside of Boston. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's a very talented young man. His older sister, an actress in Cal- in New York City. Get a rope. And uh, uh, that's a, an old Pace commercial. Oh, okay. I'm a little punchy. Uh, <laughs> I'm a fan of the punchy. So, yeah, so you watch Gremlins. What was the scariest movie you saw when you were a kid, as long as we're doing this? Oh, you know, there was a um, – I think it's something about ice and fire. Do you remember that thing? Oh, and then, or or there was that movie where they're sacrificing a girl to a dragon. Oh, the dragon heart. Yeah, mm. dragon heart with Sean Connery was the no, voice no, of no, the no, dragon. No. That's was, terrible. I was, movie. I was I was like eighteen when that. Came oh, okay. Out. There, this is like this is like eighties, like early eighties. Not crawl uh, with the with no. the spiky. But there's one where <laughs> they like they like tie a lady to a a pole that like have a dragon murder her to death. And then yeah, they like, do that in Dragon Heart, so they might do it in several movies. Yeah, I mean, but, there's there's it was a lot of like eighties CGI. Uh, but very little. Like claymation or like, like weird Perseus? watercolor like stuff. Like Clash of the Titans or? No, like I wish I could remember what the movies were. They were they were right. too late for Clash of the Titans and too early for CGI. It was like. Well, you know, I wrote 80s. this um, this thing for comedy film nerds and it was on fantasy movies. And so I'm trolling through the genre online going, I'm not watching a thousand terrible. Because f- I like fantasy movies. I don't need to see a bunch of shitty ones to know that. It can be yeah. done poorly. And, and uh, the horror of fantasy movies is like, well, the, well okay. Uh, the reason they didn't scare me for long, those movies I saw that really gave me the nightmares were because you could like within six months see better special effects and go, <laughs> my, 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 my willing suspension of disbelief is retroactively oh, okay. like cured. Right, right. Like, it oh, that a- was really, really stupid. Right. That was the lamest looking thing that scared me six months ago. Yes. And, and this that, thing is they're doing this right. As you become an adult, you realize that is the tragedy of all fantasy and science fiction is as that the production see the values get, get outpaced really fast. Like I was just talking yesterday to Tim Harmston yep. about Terminator 2 and he was like, it holds up, it holds up. And I was like, I, I feel like movies like that, there's no way you can convince me the shiny gooby Terminator doesn't look like an adventure in early CGI. Like, just like an, like, look what we can do. Because at the time, it was a little, but you know what? That's very sane. Because do you ever watch like Bones? Or no, uh, because my wife watches Bones. the, the, The makeup on Bones is ridiculous. <clears throat> they got maggots crawling out of things and because mm. it's all bones, right? And so everybody's <laughs> decomposing. <laughs> a, people forget there's bones. People, you can't forget there's bo- <laughs> you can't forget that there's bones. But the the the, <laughs> the makeup is amazing. No, why I think and awesome. I don't know what they're preparing me for. But if you if you have that attitude, then you can go. Oh, good. Six months from now, they're really going to make it look real, and smell a vision's going to happen or whatever. And well, I think that that that. Uh, dynamic helped me get kind of into horror movies for a while, even though I'm very sensitive. I, I'm I get, a hothouse flower myself yeah, when it comes to a horror movie. But like, as I get older, for sure, like I get more hothousey, flowery. Like I get a little more just sort of like, why am I watching this? Cause you ever watch like a, oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Oh, I was just going to say, you ever watch like a scary movie and then at the end of it go, well, that was really well done, but I didn't need to see that. Yeah. I kind of had that. Where, uh, what was that movie called? Um, the Sam Raimi one. Uh, uh, the Ring? No. The, uh, <laughs> this is me just guessing because I don't know. Uh, Drag Me to Hell. Okay. Uh, where it was perfect. Like, it was like pitch perfect, like old school Sam Raimi. Totally what looked like they got, they gave the guy who made Evil Dead 
a huge budget and he knew exactly what he wanted to do and he did it perfect. But it made me kind of go like, like, I think I'm done with this. Like it, okay. like, like it, it was like, there's a lot of that, um, like, oh, you're going to pay. Like you made a mistake. Like the karma is going to come to get you. Yeah. But because I'm so sensitive, I'll see that karma and I'll be like, yeah, they paid their, they paid their dues or, oh, they're kind of unlikable. I was ready for so them to die a long really time sensitive. ago. You're just too self-aware. Your sensitivity is, is tempered by your self-awareness of how a script is written. I guess it may be that's <laughs> just like, like short attention oh, span. I can like, see it yeah. coming. That, you know, that would be scary if I hadn't seen that coming. Oh, look, that guy's coming at me. And, uh, <laughs> but what I still love is like Attack the Block, like that movie. Have you seen it? No. Oh, sweet Jackie. That movie is fucking amazing. Attack it, the Block. Yeah, it's this British movie. Okay. Um, I think it's, uh, it's produced by Edgar Wright. And okay. It's got Nick Frost and like a bit part. Uh, but it's these, uh, this, um, like tenement housing. Right. Um, this like really poor neighborhood gets attacked. I'm already by, terrified. Gets Poverty. attacked by aliens. Oh, okay. Um, and the kids, there's these kids who are like, like, uh, 13 to 17 years old. Uh, actually more like 13 or 15. And they fight off the alien invasion. Red Dawn with it's, aliens. It's Red Dawn for underprivileged youth. Oh, and cool. like, and what's really amazing about it. Is the movie it's starts British? in these yeah, and these kids are super unlikable. Yeah. But the movie makes its only goal to let's use these aliens to make these kids likable. Like let's do something. And then some of the kids die, some of them make Live. it, but like yeah. when they're fighting the aliens, you're like, Oh my god, this is They're human, I'm human. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We we finally have something in common with the underprivileged youth. Yeah, and like a lot of people I've heard complaints about that movie because the kids uh, mug somebody in the beginning of the movie, like oh, okay. a knife point, and, oh, right. and people will go like, "Oh, that means I can't like them the rest of the movie." And yeah, what about an arc? You know what? Han yeah. shot first. It turns out, and and I love and you know this about my standup. I love digging a hole for myself. Right. So I like the idea that the movie did that, and the movie was like these kids uh, attack a nurse at knife point. There's no <laughs> so, real. There's no redeeming. No, no. and for the whole. The whole movie, other characters are reluctant to trust them as they're saving them. Right. Like, even I'm, even the girls who, like, hang out with them and kind of have crushes on them, not really dating because they're a little too young for it, but they're they're kind of skeptical that any of them are really heroes, even after they see a dead alien. They're kind of right. like, whatever. No, but you guys them, probably just wanted to see if they had any money on them. And then they and follow I, And then the genius of the movie is then they follow up that scene of, like, the girls, like, I don't know if you're real heroes. Then the girls save all the boys' asses. And there's this amazing scene where there's a big alien, and uh, I won't I won't give too much away because you have to see it. But the girls kick ass too. Like, it's, and it's the see that doesn't sound scary to me. That sounds action adventure. It's to a me. little scary because there's some there's some uh, it's graphic, a jumping there's out. graphic violence in it. Okay, but the aliens are as scary as I could have ever. Yeah, they're like the District Iris Nine gorillas. aliens were scary. And the entire purpose of District 9 was to make me like the shrimp people. In District 9, uh, I thought it was a very, very good movie. An amazing movie. But it's much like – it's essentially the uh, the science fiction movie of Schindler's List, where it's not on a Sunday afternoon, let's watch this again, pop it in, get some no. popcorn, and uh, because it's so sad. And it's so – I yeah, found it the ending incredibly... is a, is kind of brutal. Oh, the ending though the ending kind of gave exactly me... what it needed. But yeah, the ending gave me hope because I was like, yeah, humanity are jackasses, and yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, 
doesn't mean I don't want a Cougarand. Anyone wants to send me a Cougarand, that'd be awesome. Those are those one-ounce coins that were built on the backs of the South African apartheid system. Anyway, um... (laughs) Oh yeah. <laughs> don't send me a blood diamond. I don't I don't like diamonds. Gold, turns out. Uh but the uh but like the scariest movie, when I think of a scary movie that I saw that I knew was really well done but wasn't good was Silence of the Lambs. Ah, okay. Because that was terrifying to me. Because it was about it felt real. It felt like it was yeah, shot well, in a way that left my imagination a little whole, too free. The whole help me move this into the van thing. Oh, I don't It was really know. horribly, like, scary. I just, all I remember is seeing what, what genuinely terrified me. There's a scene within a scene of the local news, and it looks real. It, you know, it looks exactly like the news does try to scare us. And it was just this, you know, people are, uh, there's a, a woman talking about how, Neighbors said that uh, the guy oh, was yeah, quiet yeah. and it was interesting, and but he was all right, and and so it was all just incredibly. And there was a lot of tension. I'm not good with tension. Yeah, because I'm waiting. There's a lot of waiting, and then all of a sudden somebody jumps out at you. So Attack of Block has a lot of tension. Does it? Yeah. I like Shaun of the Dead. Uh, you will love Attack the Block. Okay. Yeah, because not even quite sh- as funny, but yeah. there's a lot of funny moments, and it's really okay. I'm I'm in. I'm in. So we weeded off. What other science do you like? Other science? Because um, you like meteorology, we're talking about. Yeah, but... Do you I, genuinely like meteorology? I do. I do. And um, I really... The thing that I keep coming back to is like... Cause, well, and like there's a lot of science in my stand-up lately, but I think that has more to do with it being my religion and I'm trying to just do more about myself. Yep. And so... You're trying to open up, man. Yeah. And so... But I'm still trying to get away from it as a theme a little bit because I'm... I would rather do stuff that's actually about myself and doesn't right, seem like atmospheric I'm trying to be... science. Yeah, like it's not as <laughs> well. It's it well exactly. Like I think I could go farther down that rabbit hole, but I feel like that's also where you lose people and they start to go like, "Why are you?" No, doing you could this make atmospheric science fun, but if I, if I sit on it and I wait long, like, but yeah. I think it has to. Ha- it has to be like tied into something, something more personal. Yes, I. I, but see, I, I took a class or, have an, or event, like right, involved. right. I, I took a class in college called the history of the weather, and I thought it was going to. Doesn't that sound awesome? <laughs> it does. And it, was, it wasn't. I was just like, it, <laughs> I was like, come on, tell me, tell me. I, you know, I, I don't know if I thought it was going to be the history of meteorology. Did you just learn about a bunch of shitty old tools people used to draw? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. No, that's... no. We learned about what people used to wear. What? I know it. It was the lamest. It was a five credit C, by the way. I, uh, I'm not particularly psyched about that. It sounds like someone taking like a cartography course because they think they're going to learn about the sea dragons people used to draw on the corners <laughs> of maps. And then they're like, oh, pencils and math. No, no. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, but the history of the weather. I mean, that would be awesome because I don't know anything about the history of the weather. I wish I knew more. I mean, I know I know a bit about the science of it. Justin, like, uh, like we used to, the way we used to predict it was absolutely ridiculous. Oh, really? Um, it had more to do with geography than, than, uh, weather science, but. What do you mean? Like mountains or yeah. oceans yeah, and stuff? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so people make a lot of really. Oh, like sort of just sweeping statements. Mm-hmm. Well, the mountain god does this and yeah. the sea god well, does basically, that. Well, basically, well, I would, okay. I wish I knew more about that. I wish I knew about like mythological weather and oh, like. Oh, that'd be that would, awesome. Yeah. I would love to learn like, uh, I will I- look Iron up Age a book. Weather. If I, oh, I, I will look up a book and if I find one, matter of fact, Rangers out there, 
Come on, Todd Mason, you know stuff. I want to find. I want to find Todd Mason. Please look into this. <laughs> uh, where that point was when weather was no longer like the duty of shaman who knew nothing, and when it became like <laughs> a do or like wizards, depending right. on which hemisphere you lived in. Uh, mm. But like that versus like when it was actually like like the alchemists were becoming kind of intelligent because yeah. like oh they were becoming scientists instead mm-hmm. of just spooky. Because that's yeah. what that's what fascinates me the most about scientists is like even the really smart legendary ones had a thousand theories that were completely batshit and based in in uh, paranoia. Right, but I think that's true of, of scientists too. Today, I mean, okay. I, today Which ones? Uh, right, right. I wish I had names. I heard a thing on NPR where it was a guy. Um, it was that cancer could be cured by a radio wave. But the government was hiding the radio wave frequency from us. That sounds yeah. like the biggest paranoid. Right. So that was that was the par- that was the that was the circle around the This American Life that Ira Glass. Oh, and then okay. and then he interviewed the two guys. There was a, a scientist scientist who was like and and it was his English teacher from college who had the paranoid idea. And the scientist was like, Maybe. We don't know. Let's let's do it. Let's do some some empirical let's try and find some evidence and do a lot of tests and so they tested for like three years and they spent a lot of their own money because they didn't get financing for it and eventually this the english teacher was convinced that he was right and the scientist was like no we got to do more tests because i can't get it to reproduce every single time and the english teacher's like well i'm out of money i believe it to be true and so it was an interesting but I like the idea that scientists are like, we don't know, you know? Yeah, like my my favorite thing that happened recently of, of like scientific quackery mm-hmm. was the thing. I, I did a bit about it for a little bit in the in the old stand up act. And I'm thinking about maybe trying to make it about how I'm, I try to write for a living. <laughs> right. Because it's it's also tied in with a writer for the Huffington Post. But um, what? <laughs> there's this article in the Huffington Post. Like, uh, do you know about... Uh, the star Betelgeist. Nope. Or it's, it's actually it's pronounced Beetlejuice, um, but I want so badly to pronounce it differently from the movie for okay. my own brain categorization. It's pronounced Beetlejuice, but uh, it's it's nearby and it's about to go supernova. But here's the thing: it's been about to go supernova since the dawn of man. Okay. So it takes a while for a star to get. Funny thing: stars <laughs> don't have like a day planner. They're like, oh fuck, I gotta hurry this up. Right, their agenda is not. Yeah, yet. I gotta, I gotta, uh, I gotta supernova. My wife needs the room in the living room. Like, <laughs> like I gotta hurry up. Yeah, yeah. I gotta explode. My wife's tired of me getting so fat. Uh, mm. But like the, there's a scientist in New Zealand who lost his marbles. I guess like no, th- from what I'm able to tell, nobody has been able to pin down why this guy said this and how reputable he is. But this New Zealand scientist was like, uh, it's about done. It's going to explode next week. Okay. Um, but here's, but he tried to like make it press friendly. So like this Huffington Post writer got a hold of this guy for somehow. And the story they sort of came to a consensus on yeah. was that we would all be fine. Even though it was like the nearest star, right? Uh, going supernova, which by all accounts means we will be engulfed by a radioactive nebula that will render us into dust. But but he okay. said, okay, because I appreciate that because I don't know what that I don't know what a super. 
Uh, basically, the star would explode. And right. And that takes up a lot of space. Okay. That... I don't know if you've ever seen, like, a picture of, like, a space... It looks like a space amoeba or something. No. Or, like, a... There's, like, the dragon head nebula. Like, like a nebula... Or, like, there's a lot of shapes in outer space that are the result of an old supernova. And it's basically, oh. like... We can't explore that. It looks pretty. Yeah. But we would be vaporized. If, if we, we got close to even it. Even remotely close. It's good word at distance. And and his thing was, but but Beetlejuice, yes. that'll explode. And Earth's atmosphere will convert the neutrinos into like sparkly vampire shards. And like it'll just be like little little twinkling fireflies. It'll change our sky, but it'll yeah. be fine. And we'll have we'll have this thing in the sky that looks just sort of like a beautiful greenish uh Uh slice of bacon and like uh and (laughs) it picked up a lot of traction on facebook okay and twitter and people Mm -hmm. were like uh holy fuck the nearest star and then a bunch like a pile of scientists (laughs) contacted the huffington post and were like this is irresponsible journalism right you have to put it this scientist in New Zealand, they were even like, we don't know who the fuck this guy is. you got to right, do right. something about this article. It's going to cause a mass panic. That's and what awesome. I lo- And what I love about it and why I want to make it about being a writer is the guy who wrote for the Huffington Post, all he had to do was post like an update at the bottom and be like, uh, other scientists have said this probably isn't going to happen and it may not be an accurate depiction of what a nearby supernova would be. <laughs> And that was Wait, it. that was it. Like, he didn't put it on the front page. Oh, by the way, yeah. we put a giant article. By the way, we just gonna... predicted the uh, end likely of the... end of the world would be cheesy and a tourist right. event. Uh, and it, actually, that's all bullshit. The, the star might not go supernova until long after uh, humanity has moved <laughs> on to another galaxy. But yeah. <laughs> That totally reminds me. Jim Wooster did, used to do this bit about how the end of the world would come because someone would call to warn everyone and the temp would have taken the it'll just be steve called on a, a post-it as it blows across a post-apocalyptic world because nobody nobody <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah you were just telling me about, I think that, I just told and about like, that guy and i love how fiction has sort of prepared us for the cosmic end of the world like how hp lovecraft all yeah. of his all of his stories are about uh the universe is nightmarishly infinite and we are terrifyingly meaningless and so the end of the world is just like <laughs> the paw swipe of this giant squid. Okay. And, and like, <laughs> and, uh, but I think Kurt Vonnegut, like, yeah. again, like, like we just pushed a button and whoops. Yeah. The Tralfamadorians. And, and we're all going to become seals a million years from now. Did you ever read Galapagos? No. That's the Vonnegut Wait, book that I just read. I, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, it's, uh, that about the book. Galapagos. It's a very silly, it's, it's Vonnegut and it's, you know, the thing about Vonnegut, he seems so full of hope. When he was talking in real life oh, yeah, about but all he of his was books, dark motherfucker. <laughs> Most, it just, it's all over and we're assholes and it's, I'm reliving the Dresden fire over and over in my head is what it felt like. That didn't him. bother me too, but like I, 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 he was always sort of my dad's author, so I never got too, too into it with him, but yeah. I've read about seven of his books and he's just got yeah. a lot. Like I read a couple of his essay books my mom got me and then, uh, do you ever read Tom Robbins? Yes. The, um, I liked, uh, I'm on the fence Seven about Bills. That gentleman. Yeah, that's because he's hit and miss occasionally. That giant thumb book I never liked. Hit, and, hit, hit or miss was a little, uh, generous for my taste. Oh, really? Because I love Jitterbug Perfume. That was my favorite one. The first one I read that was, was the first one I uh, read. Fierce Invalids in Hot Climates. And Wait I a minute. loved it. I wonder if I'm getting, uh, mixed up. No. No. He's the same guy who wrote Jitterbug Perfume for sure. Okay. And Skinny Legs and all. Yeah. And I like skinny legs and all. It's 
those uh, half asleep in frog pajamas and like, yeah, I would, re- I would get like halfway through and just be like, you, this, is, this is kind of like an attention span experiment, isn't it? Like you're seeing <laughs> if I'll, I'll watch this with no likable protagonist for as it's, long as uh, possible. No, I, I, but I like fierce invalids. I feel like fierce invalids. He did a good job of um, making you care about a dumbass and then have the dumbass be a central character. But like yeah. books where there's no central character at all mm-hmm. are pretty tough. Yeah. And yeah, that's, you, that's what uh, or too many characters. To you know what I have a problem with reading that is very, very popular, very, and they make good movies, but I didn't like them as books. Is Philip K. Dick? He wrote uh, Blade Runner, essentially, yeah. uh, Electric Sheep, and High the High the Castle. Dream of, yeah, Androids, and um, the High Castle was one of the, and I just I've tried to read the High Castle a couple of times because I love the idea. And this 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 sentence is going to sound weird. I love the idea when the Nazis win, and uh, but it's it was the first that I know of. But I know that there are other books, other stories about this, mm-hmm. where the Axis powers in World War II win and split up the United States, and so yes. everything east of the Mississippi was run by Germany, and everything west was run by Japan. And so I think it would make an excellent movie, and someone should streamline it. But he piddled and diddled around so much, Philip K. Dick, in his in his. Is there any good speculative fiction about, like, Nazi-era shit going differently? Because I find that premise to be infinitely interesting, but I'm so <laughs> leery of shitty fiction that I'm scared I'm going to read. Because there's a lot of it. Yeah. And I'm so worried that I'm going to pick one up and it's going to be so bad that I'm just going to, like, I don't know. turn I'm, Republican or something. I'll tell you something. Rangers of the Dork Forest know because there's some reading going on out there. So if somebody, yeah, Jackie at JackieCation.com, feel free to eat us. And, and, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it. You know what I like though? I like my Nazis buffoonish too. Oh, sure. And I yeah. like, I like it when, um, I like, oh, you know what my favorite? What? Nazi reimagining stuff is, uh, the Hellboy Mike Mignola comic books. Oh, yeah. And BPRD? Um, oh, god damn it. Yeah. I wish, I wish. Uh, I, I had more money for that stuff because that is the best. It is it's, just, and, and that universe is like right on top of my favorites stuff yeah, ever. Mike Mignola. And, and it's weird. Mike, um, Marvel's got the Red Skull been very active for the last year and a half oh, as well. He? Yeah, the Red Skull and the Red Skull's daughter, Sin. And, uh, a silly name. It is a silly name. <laughs> <laughs> that jumped out at me right away. Oh boy. Do you know what I saw though is the calculator. It's a, that, that was the, that's a DC, um, he, he's a, he's a DC supervillain. Is he a supervillain, the calculator? Or is and, he a small plastic thing on the desk? What is, right, what's his, right. Why is he called? Well, he was, because he, he's a Nazi like strategist or? No, no, he came up because it was a dumb name for, for a supervillain. Oh. And so I just, I thought, that's the craziest name for a supervillain. But Noah Cutler was on and, uh, he knows the guy who wrote the new, Noah Cutler oh, was on the Dork Forest yeah, and, yeah. And he knows the guy who wrote the new um, story about the calculator, and he gave him the real name of Noah Cutler. Whoa. Yeah. So very meta and very in on itself. <laughs> and so what What are you uh, – so what are you reading? I mean, if you're – I mean, I know that, that you don't have – you have tiny children, so you do not have disposable income. Yeah. Right now I have a pile of comedy-ish books that I'm, I'm – Oh, sort of like, like workbooks kind of thing where you're trying to um, – or is it – no, Memoirs like stuff I just want to read. Yeah, like stuff I want to read for fun. Oh, okay. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I went through this phase about four years ago where I bought a bunch of like, how do I put this and not just sound like the word, like, 
like biology textbooks. Oh right, like, <laughs> well, that's fun. Read bio- this is safe space, man. And, uh, so you and so like and then and that led to like a lot high of school material. biology. No, like like college, but okay. like but for dumb college kids because of my my memory like doesn't entro- retain a lot of like entry level biology for yeah, college. Yeah, um, and uh, exactly. Were they great? They were amazing, and it was very addictive. And I bought a couple, and my wife was like, well, "We're gonna move to L.A. Maybe we should get rid of these fucking textbooks." But right, because like, they're all eleven pounds. Yeah, and um. For that, like, yeah, I had like standard material f- about cuttlefish that I never perfected, but couldn't stop doing because I just couldn't stop thinking about goddamn cuttlefish. And- because you were reading, they were like biology one on one class uh, yeah. books and stuff, and I just wanted to know about the sea or yeah. about the land yeah. or about the air, all what- that stuff, the biodiversity crisis about outer space too. Like, it just like, and I, I, I had to get away from it. What is the biodiversity crisis in outer space? Uh, no, 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 read- two different books, different, two different. Okay, books. There- you can't <laughs> there just is introduce maybe a biodiversity gun. crisis you don't have, in you our own a gun into the plot and not use it, as Chekhov used to say. Uh, so um, <laughs> he did. Yeah, and what? So what? Uh, but what were they? I mean, were they? Talk about those, please. Uh, well, it was like it was it was just like how to. Do you know the authors? Not off the top of my head, no. Okay, yeah, yeah. But like it was like like there'd be like an astronomy book. That's how I got really hung up on Tycho Brahe and Johannes Kepler and like who's Tycho Brahe. That's an awesome. Did you not see my six-minute chunk about him last night? It's a no. I I take it I was setting up my merch. <laughs> uh, he he discovered supernovas and he was a ridiculous uh, Danish eccentric. Oh, it's that guy. The guy yes. with the with the guy under the table. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, I've seen that bit. But then, but I, like, the, I knew he, I'd heard his and name. Him but and Kepler were like perfect examples of people who were like they made important discoveries, but were batshit bananas. And like Kepler. Th- Kepler thought the only way there could be craters on the moon is if there was a civilization of moon people beneath the moon's crust who were, like, making underground cities. That, that was the only way. Yeah. And he was just, like, very, like, blasé about it. And, and like, very certain mm-hmm. that craters were cr- – even though there are craters in the United States or, or craters on the Earth – that are not created by a underground moon people. Well, the craters were just so big, Jackie. They had to have been made. Really? Yeah, and 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 they had to be man-made. Mm-hmm. I I would think that the bigger they were, the less likely that they would be man-made. Well, and 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 Brahe was also one of the the last people uh, to be like a big astronomer and be convinced that the sun revolved around the Earth and like oh, okay. so. Yeah, like. And he when did he live? Did he live? 1500s i think maybe they they were like going into the 1600s okay um he was pre-telescope okay so yeah but i think i think maybe kepler had telescopes okay i love the idea because i do love that bit that you do do about the insanity of scientists are there are there you know like they're all bonkers i mean like you know I, I recently read that book, Time Traveler, by Dr. Ronald Mallett. Have you read that book? No. It's really great. I read it because uh, he was on The Daily Show. Okay. And basically, all of this leads me into a whole patch of paranoia that will make me sound stupid. But he um, gave up basically his whole life to unlock the secrets of time travel. He was okay. a physicist um, and a black dude. And like this book is great because it's about like what it's like to be... A black scientist? A black scientist obsessed with time travel and, and be, like, ostracized from scientific... But ba- he... I don't know if he gets enough credit for this, but as far as I can tell, basically proved time travel is possible. Okay. Uh, 
in the universe. Okay. But the way he basically proved it was you would use uh was basically lasers and you would have to be you'd have to have like enough power you'd have to have more power in your time machine than exists in the universe. Like it would require that much energy to fold space and time in half. Oh, okay. Um and but like that sort of makes sense. Yeah. And but then what was fucked up is there's little details in the book about how he would do it and how it would involve lasers. Okay. And how you have to You could simulate that much energy somehow or Yeah, and like he he could, yeah, exactly. Like he he, he had these supercomputers that were able to like through a business partner recreate what it would possibly maybe look like. Okay. Um and like he all he did it all because he wanted to go back in time and see his father before he died. Oh, and okay. So, but that's the thing. Like that's what I feel like. There's something like that with all geniuses, or like they can go right really far down the rabbit hole, but only if they have a like a bonkers unattainable goal. Right, because what they want to do is they want to see their dad before they died. Yeah. And like he so. and he says in the book how like at a certain point early in his career he logically pushed it aside but then emotionally he also he later had to kind of go ah oh, fuck because like i think that's still the reason i'm doing to, this yeah like, like yeah they could create basically a wormhole but you could only you you still have to start the wormhole at a fixed point in time and okay. then if you're going to go back in time it, you have to have had the technology to start the wormhole so nobody started a wormhole while his dad was still alive so he can't see his dad Oh, weird. Okay, yeah. so it's that whole time. It's the it's the it's the infinity. Yeah. And here's what's fucking with me right now, Jackie. What? Here's what's given me the I can sleep at nights. Yeah. I I don't, did you I don't know if you saw that Wired article. No. Nope. Um, this very nice. You can assume I didn't. Science go. blogger for Wired yep. magazine, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, posted this article that I haven't seen much about elsewhere, but apparently. The United States military yes. is using lasers to uh, erase events from space and time. Okay. Fucking what? First of all, that doesn't that doesn't seem possible because we just found out that you can't. Well, exactly, and and, right. and Ron Mallet wrote that, that nice book. black man. Yeah, Ron Mallet. <laughs> you know, that nice, that black, nice black man wrote that wrote book. the book in like two thousand four, two thousand five, I think. But right. this is like two thousand eleven that right. I read this. This is like early December. So the government in the last seven years somehow, and 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 <laughs> this is what kind of terrifies me is they say event, right? Uh, so it's like a tiny little, like the size of an atom or, okay. or smaller. Uh, bit of mass they were able to using lasers uh mask it and make it like sort of fold in on itself okay and disappear and the oh article like, like they only had enough power to get rid of like three seconds or something exactly exact. did you read this no okay because i think you you may have just nailed how long they got rid of it like it, it, oh or actually it might have been might have been more like point zero 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 three right seconds. Yeah, yeah but you get you get the idea um, yeah that's all they had power for and so but the military's funding it uh, and this is the fucked up part, so they can see if they can do that to an operation that they they go right. on or a person like that. Wait, like seven days. Remember that? Remember that old? Uh, it was a no, no, no. Tell an me hour this. long TV show where they had a time machine and the guy could jump back a week. That's all. He could only jump back a week, okay. and, and so like a terrorist bomb would go off, and then he'd get in the machine. 
And he'd spend a week trying to make sure that that terrorist bomb didn't go off. And that was the episode. I don't know how many seasons there were of it, but it was on, you know, it was in syndication mm-hmm. for a little bit. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was fine. It was quantum leapy and it was, and it was, um, you know, it was 24 and it was NCIS and it was, <laughs> and it was everything together. Giant mashup. But, um, Real genius, you know, where the military's using their powers for not good. Man, but, military, what's the dealio? Come like, on, man. Why? It's, but I don't think it's the military. It's, it's scientists. Cause the thing is, is if you That's had the an only idea. Get funded, right? Yeah. If you had an idea like that, but you knew that they were going to use it for something not good, how, it would be very hard to resist. The first, it. the first thing I did when I heard about that story was try to look up what else Ron Mallet has been up to. Oh yeah, lately couldn't find anything. Oh, that's it, Ron Mallet, just one I, book. I don't think he was directly responsible, but I think he made. I think some people saw him on the Daily Show and were like, "And that lasers, was from, huh? <laughs> Let's look into that." Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, well, some other scientists maybe saw him do a speech and were like. Well, I know some guys in the military, or I work for the military. Comedy affects the world, man. It's a, it's a sure. Yeah, yeah. The Daily Show. It, it, and um, here it made me want to read a book about yeah. a compelling man. I saw the day. I <laughs> saw know, people want to want to hide a little murder yeah. mission or something. Right. They they want to get rid of essentially when their wife finds the bad email or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it'd be like something weird like that. Well, I hate that they say that it, they keep using in that article, um, the military term event, which yeah. to me is a, a, a very, uh, bracingly, uh, broad. Like a nine 11 event. Well, event to me. Yeah. means, uh, that could mean a building, a person, a, mm-hmm. a, a week. Like, what are you talking about? I'm going to, I'm going to do something irritating and bring up a book that I can't remember the name of. Uh, um, well, that's what I'm all about, Jackie. Yeah. All I say is like, remember that thing with the other stuff? Yeah. There's spiders in it. Whoa. And then the people sit there and yell at their computers and go, Thanks. you're talking about so and so. Jackie, I want you to talk about this book, but I just want to say, yeah. you people listening out there. Yes. You people listening out there, you you delightful, huggable pedants. <laughs> yes, you have Google in front of you right now. You it's know how true. I'll be on stage and I'll mispronounce Gigantosaurus. Right. It should be Gigantosaurus. Right. And then I'll have a video of it online and I'll get a thousand emails from people who I can't believe you call Gigantosaurus. <laughs> Guess what? I don't have Google in front of me on stage and I don't give a shit enough for two letters sometimes. Right. Because there's a drunk birthday girl in the front row right. waving <laughs> right. at her rainbow uh, badge. Oh, so. There's a, yeah. So, you know what? We have better things to worry about, Jackie. Right. Well, and, and it's it's a live sports stand-up comedy. You never know what's going to happen. And so is this podcast, Jackie. So, while we're talking about this book, Yeah, yeah. Here's it? Here's this creepy book that it was one of those books. It's like the Dragon Tattoo book where everyone's like, it's amazing, man. And so, I and my friend TJ Ford uh, marathon dork. She, I'll have her on. She'll talk about how much she loves to run. Uh, so, but I wish I could do that. I wish I loved to run. I wish I I could run and not have every bone in my body scream to stop. Just rattle and shake. And the, but she recommended this book and it was about a guy who could control time. And what he could do is he could stop time. And I read it. And then he could speed it back up. And he used it. This is the grossest thing. He used it to essentially give women orgasms. Uh, it was so foul. I could not even. I was like, what are you doing in the subway? 
And it was like, it was some sort of weird. That sounds like some lame Paul Verhoeven bullshit. I don't don't know. I got to find it because it was just, it actually, it's one of those books that you read and you're like, well, I don't, I feel dirty now. Yeah. And I don't even, the I don't know. I'm sorry I've told everybody, but it's been in my head just sitting there like a squid on the back of my brain box. Yeah. That sounds like all those horrible science fiction short stories you read where like, where you're just like a great premise. And then all of a sudden, yeah, halfway through you realize it's about fucking. Right. You're just like, it's like a penthouse letter mashed up with what would be cool like you could use your powers for good but it turns out you're you're broken in a creeposaurus rex and i don't i don't want to i wish i don't you ever want to just unread something oh all the time <laughs> unwatch it all, i i and that's i think you know the the tragedy of being a nerd with opinions is <laughs> you read so much garbage like you don't yeah. want to be a snob but yeah. you, you end up having to sift through this stuff that is such trickery yeah because i i do want like to read you, everything well and you you've said you don't like game of thrones right yeah i have a hard time is it because it's molesty no i didn't even get to the molesty what i didn't one of the one of the early like in the first hundred pages the guy has a crossbow Here's a perfect example. There's a man with a crossbow. They don't call it a crossbow. They call it a a, a bow haven cross blah. And I was like, it's a fucking crossbow. I'm going to kill somebody if you don't call it a crossbow. Because there's in science fiction fantasy, speculative, whatever, they change. There's so many weirdy words. So if there's a word that you can use that already exists, please use that word. You know, Elantris by um Sanderson. Brad Sanderson, Brad Sanderson. Uh, it's an excellent book. It's an, ama- it's a one, first of all, it's one book, which is amazing. It's always uh, a comfort. It's a comfort because it isn't a trilogy I or hope a I hope I don't 14- die before the 19th book comes exactly, out. Exactly. J- Robert Jordan and the Wheel of Time books. And, um, but the, the Elantris book is, it's great. It is an excellent book. It is a little spooky because it's, it's got political intrigue, but it's also got this sort of godlike thing to it. It's awesome, quite honestly. Cool. It's called the Lantris. I'll put it in the notes. And but there is he, he doesn't do that. You know, if something is a sword, it turns out it's a sword. If something's a rapier, I mean he even goes specifically to say, Oh, that's a that's a hat. Yeah. It isn't <laughs> I really liked the Game of Thrones TV show, but I stayed away from the books because people warned me because they knew I don't like the molesty stuff that they're super molesty. Oh, are they? It's yeah, I, have, a, I have a friend who's a woman nerd, and she was like, uh, Dan, you need to know this is one of the rapiest <laughs> Dragon right. Times adventures. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to. Yeah, that's yeah, I, the show. I, was, I was like, I'll give the show a chance. And sure enough, the first few episodes, a little, a little too much nudity and incest bullshit for my right. tastes. But slowly, but the writing was to- good. And like, and fucking the acting, there's a few people who just annihilated my brain just like, knock it out of the park yeah from like what Peter i heard of. is fucking he deserved that golden globe like, he's the little guy right yeah the little person yeah little person and he and and he just became one of my favorite actors just bar none like, that's he, what i yeah he's, he's a, what's he from jersey for, is he from okay he's from new jersey but he pulls off that british accent like nobody's business he's great Does he got dark hair is he kind of handsome yeah yeah i know which guy that is because yeah. there's only he's a, a station of- agent Okay. Yeah, there's only a handful um, of little people that in get work. And uh and so I think I know him. I and think handful might not have been the best term. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I am very into and then this might sound fake, but I'm very into uh saying the right stuff uh, you know with why? little people, but Cuz you're a wordsmith. Well, I also feel like don't you like when it comes to when it comes to 
to like anyone like political correctness it's pretty handy for making friends isn't it isn't it nice way to be like well, hey i respect you on a human level isn't it isn't right it the time? the political correctness has gotten like this bad rap as a as a word but it's actually just being considerate and polite do you ever read that jimmy carr book about comedy only no. joking you might find it fascinating I c-a-r-r yeah the, okay. the irish or welsh uh gentleman yeah, with yeah. the insult comedy he he wrote this book with his writing partner and it's about the history of comedy. Okay. The history of jokes. Wow. And a lot, again, I disagree with some of his points of view. Like he's a little too, uh, opinionated when he should be talking a little more historically, but. Okay. He has this whole thing about political correctness and how, like, yeah, I think a lot of people forget why that exists. Right. <laughs> Socially. Like, like, right. you get people on board when you're politically correct. Yeah. And a lot of people try to shut it down because they feel imprisoned by it but i think those people really are just selfish right they're just you're just <laughs> rude yeah, yeah maybe, i think you're maybe right you hate being pc so much because you are desperate to be a bad person <laughs> right and you're like always a vein i get to in the say whatever you can say whatever i want and you're like you do but that doesn't mean i get to hang out with you yeah so Tyrion you lannister in game of thrones he, yeah he's he's uh yeah because i want to see it but we don't have hbo we the cable that we do have is being wasted at our at our house yeah and because we don't watch enough television because andy comes home and he's been you know making video games all day long and 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 looking at a computer and you don't want to look at a tv forever he doesn't want to turn on the tv um and i so I tend to watch things on fast forward and just trying to get through, you know, mm-hmm. some content and cause I'm supposed to watch things, you know, I'm supposed to <laughs> watch some. And granted, that doesn't include once upon a time from ABC. Anyway, um, which My wife I, is trying that. I like it. Is it's it? good. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, it's a little Bill Willingham fables. You, I was going to say, yeah, but we both talked about fables. Yeah. Uh, socially, and fables has come up a couple of times in the last couple episodes because somebody really somebody said like to me, "It's going to get ripped up." Like it's just how are they not suing? Oh, them because and it's, the grim people. Yeah, but I think Bill Willingham. Yeah, they had a, they had like didn't ABC have a fable show in development like a day before they picked up? <laughs> yes, I think they had that that they were talking to him about doing a fable show, according to. The premise is, seems a little too specific for them to pretend they just had another one on the table. Except for that the premise is slightly different in the fact that the, the fables don't know that they're fables. And in the comic book fables, they live in the money world, but they know that they're fables and they're trying to blend in. That still sounds like, what if these werewolves didn't know they were werewolves? It's not a werewolf show oh, anymore. <laughs> you know, there's a great book for you. It's called Sharp Teeth. And it was written in... Not iambic pentameter, but it was written in some sort of poetry style, free verse maybe, and it's about werewolves in Los Angeles. It's about a pack of pack of dogs that are were people. Is it good? It's awesome. Okay. Yeah, it's um. And it's written in verse. And it's written in verse, and it's ooh, and it uh, it's really it's fascinating. I'll I'll put a link to that one too. I love the premise of vampires and werewolves so much, Jackie. I wish people would and running loosey goosey around uh around Los Angeles. Oh, you wish people could try harder, but just because of the sparkle vampires or what? Do you not want them to be as sexy? All of it. All of it. It's all terrible. Did you like Shadow of the Vampire, the the movie with Willem Dafoe, where it was the movie within a movie? Yeah, like I, I I liked I liked. A lot of it, but I thought the movie was a little weak. Do you want vampires to be scarier or do you want them to be funnier? 
I want them to be more different. Like, did you see that piece of shit that <laughs> um, that uh, Ethan Hawke was in? Probably not. I forget what it's called. It doesn't matter. I'm sure <laughs> there's a billion podcasters know what I'm talking about. It's like, like, look out, here comes the the blood drought or something like okay like, dude, it, everyone's a vampire okay it's like it's supposed to take place in our future but everyone okay. turns into a vampire in like the year 2050 okay and like uh, we're running out of blood because there's no more people there's like people matrix farms and stuff oh but at least they tried to be different yeah there's like dystopian future vampires and i watched it and i enjoyed it even though it was garbage it was like a d minus oh right because it was different and i was like you know what at least Thank he tried God. to go somewhere. Yeah, because I feel like I, there's little details in the history of vampires that just jump out at me as making them so important for some reason. Like, we we thought vampires turned into bats okay. before Western civilization discovered vampire bats. Oh. What the fuck? Right. That, like, little stuff like that makes me think, like, you know, we met cultures a long time ago and carried their stories back yeah, yeah. to Europe where I'm white. Um, yeah. But like, I, also I'm like, oh, there's like this creeping dread that is, that is, that predates like, to, like, like modern it, storytelling and written history. And, and there's something so awesomely mythological about vampires. Yeah. And you just have to try. And yeah. I feel like with Sparkle Vampires, what they're trying to do is make Mormonism palatable or 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 abstinence or any palatable. sort of re- it's oh because are they religious? The the Twilight Lady is yeah, she Mormon? Twilight Lady is super Mormon, um, okay, and conservative, and and, and, and she's wants bashful about to... it now that she's famous. Like, oh, that wasn't what it was about. But I think she's a dullard, and I think it was a lot of the reason <laughs> she wanted attention was like, oh, I can write a soap opera for teenagers. What about the Tom Cruise vampire movie that was the interview book? with yeah. Anne Rice? Yeah, was it, how's was Anne okay. Rice? Anne Rice. Was, uh, Anne Rice. She was Catholic, I think, right? Maybe and she, then she, I, she and definitely then she, became hardcore Christian, but then she abandoned the church when she heard some stuff about them disavowing gays. And, you know. Right, right. Well, she was raised super religious. She yes. wasn't religious. She found religion, and now she's done. Well, no, she basically. That's, a, basically. that's what I thought. Right. She, she became born again, and now she's still very Christian, but not a part of the Christian church. Right, because they're bossy magoos and yes. want you to hate people. Yes, which and I totally get. But she, I always felt like she was also... <laughs> I totally also... get what you want. Yeah. We just, I, I can't buy into it. I get that you want to hate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... It's yeah, like... I, 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 I like Anne Rice, but I, she'll lose me. And she's another, she's another person, too, where, like... I don't know how people write about sex so much in fantasy and science. I found it a little weird, because I like writing a lot. I like yeah. writing fiction as well as comedy scripts and stuff but sure but um like how many sex jokes do you have in your act would you say um two does it count if i talk about the frailty of my own conceptual <laughs> genitalia then maybe two i mean it's not like but like they aren't traditional dick jokes at all and yeah, well yeah exactly right i have like four and i will say this is every time i write You're a joke diplomatic when you do it Right. Well, well, well uh, whenever I write a joke about sex, um, it's kind of cracks me up because it usually means that I'm in a really good mood. And I, only, <laughs> and I've written four in 20 years. That's ever one, ever once every five years. I'm in a good enough mood to write a dick joke. And I'm in usually in a perfectly good mood. But for some reason, when I, when I write a good dick joke, I, it makes me laugh. It makes me happy. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's fun, but, but like to put it in drama. 
Right. And why do they have to... And to gratuitously put it in everything. It's so fucking lame. It doesn't... Yeah, there's no point or purpose to it. You're just like, yeah, we all have bits and parts. And we don't need to... (laughs) We don't need to talk about them all the time. Like, I never think about bodily functions unless I'm having them. And you know what? If I'm having a bodily function, I'm hopefully not on stage. So, (laughs) you know, it's like... Well, who wants to create something and have people take away, like... Well, they're still dealing with fuck issues or right. like they still like, like I get again, I dick jokes are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I love a good dick joke. Who doesn't love a good dick no, joke? No, they're Everybody. the best thing in the world. And, yeah. and, and, uh, talking about sex and comedy is hilarious. I just can't do it. I just don't have that drive in me to be like, all right, it's fucking talk you right know, right or, this is not to and everybody gets to do whatever kind of comedy they want to do i'm right? not even gonna get into that yeah. okay <laughs> right right it doesn't i am such a nobody in comedy that like if i say any well it's like oh well dan why don't you uh, get on tv <laughs> for three seconds no yeah but it's it's i think that there's plenty of and and i i wrote a boatload of dick jokes when i first started doing stand-up because mm-hmm. you write your you do a couple of things in my opinion and this is that's all it is when you first start do, doing stand-up where you're just trying to get a reaction so sometimes oh, you yeah. do shock jock stuff and sometimes that shocking stuff is sort of violence or and or it's or it's uh or it's sex related but you're just trying to do so or you swear a lot you know it's like that and then after a couple of years you can find a voice where stuff that you really want to talk about you know this is a really good city to learn how dick jokes have a limited uh, appeal Oh, Minneapolis? I think so. Because cause there people are unmoved? Uh, definitely if you use it in a shock context. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, the shock humor here, I can tell, does not really do anything for people. Yeah, they don't. They, they've been. They, these people have seen so much stand up comedy because Lewis Lee has trained up an entire they seem, generation. They and seem a half. like super comedy nerds. Yeah, they get everything. And so they see, like, if you're just doing it to show, like, Nate does some stuff that's, that's really interesting and, and he, and he does this that whole thing about um keeping his girlfriend in the basement, right? Yes. And when it first starts, you see the audience kind of tense up and go, "Oh, it's this again." Uh-huh. And then it keeps going and it's awesome. Yeah. It's a great joke, but uh and it and it only because of the directions that he takes. He takes it too far, but he's also kind of cute about it and then he kind of comes back about it and and it's smart, you know? And so so they have seen a thousand people and you push know that from envelope. doing comedy here a long time that yeah and i feel like uh but if you come in thinking cool. that you're just going to be able to say your weird rape things and and Which get them chicago, to chicago boy do we have a lot of people doing rape jokes la's uh there's a big guy uh, there's a big chunk of people that are working on how depressed they are there uh there's a bunch of sad sack <laughs> young comics that are talking about how sad they are and you're like okay uh, well, you know what that might be? What? Finally, you know, people imitated Bill Hicks forever. And right. they did a little bit of Mitch Hedberg impersonating. And sure. they did a little bit of Louis C.K. anger against women stuff. And now, now everybody's trying out a little bit of the Mark Marin. I'm uh, Oh, I'm, I'm going to beat my myself up. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to beat myself up. And you're going to think that's funny. I think that you're right. I think that everybody's like, oh, Mark Marin's awesome. When, you know. And he is. He He's is the awesome. Best. And, and then and everybody's then. good at what they do. And then, but you can't really duplicate it. You know, like those rape jokes that Sarah Silverman would do. And then some, everybody would try to do rape jokes because she could get away with it, but she was doing something else. There was more to it. There was, you know, and she was pushing that envelope where that nobody, people were just saying the word rape and thinking it was exciting. And she was pushing the envelope of 
HIV and crazy and crazy town yeah. and going super far. And then there was a joke. There was a tag. She wrote this thing. It was a punchline. That's what it's called. <laughs> Good work. Good work, Silverman. Anyway, so. Hey, we nerded out nicely about we did some good dorkdom on uh, subscience and uh, and then a little comedy because comedy will always seep into it. That's the way yeah. it goes. We're comedians. <laughs> we are comedians. That's what we care about. And that's what we talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, you've listened to another Dork Forest. You've done vital work. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tune in next time when more dorkdoms will be discussed. Thank you. Should I end like that? My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?